You're listening to the Geek Legacy Escape Pod. The crew coming together and gelling and becoming this like you know intergalactic family that we know and love. And wacky mayhem ensues. It just feels like they're trying so hard to capture the fans of the original series. Yeah, that was hot garbage. It, he just got like weird, like creepy uncle weird. That was a bold choice. Yeah, I, I had fun with it. It's true. It was the 80s. It must be so bad that they just never <laughs> You won't make it in the future, do they? I don't think so, no. I am not a Tashi R fan. That's probably the nicest thing I will say. That is absolutely perfect way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Geek Legacies Escape Pod where we discuss old episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation and uh, talk about whether they are as good as we remember the series being or whether it is one of the anchors that is pulling it down to the bottom of the depths. Um, So uh, with me are my my two co-hosts, one Mr. Justin Cavender. How are you doing? I am fabulous, Randy. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And uh, David Edmondson, how are you this fine evening? I'm a little sad. Uh, Justin started the podcast a little bit ago with my two best friends and i've gone i've i've, I've often sung i'm sitting here with my two best friends but randy <laughs> you're not willing to commit to our our, our trio of best friendness and i just i'm gonna have to get over that i guess so i guess sad. Don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't let that get you down because i never even announced my own name i never i don't think once i've ever said like introduced myself it's one of you guys maybe mentions my name like Justin just did. I just like I'm not used to hosting a show. I'm used to being a plucky sidekick, you know, the one with controversial answers to questions. And, well, Randy, uh, it's, it's generally tends to be it's, annoying. It's fifty percent of my best friends. Uh, how are you doing today? <laughs> I I'm wonderful. I'm actually really excited to be back. We missed a week because uh, the escape pod was floating aimlessly through space, and we were running out of air. Luckily, we found a uh, we need more dilithium. Yeah, we did. We found a space brothel, and we were able to get some water and some batteries and some oxygen, <laughs> and we're uh, back in the air. Uh, or all, space, is that all we got? It, that's all that on on the record. Yes, if you go in and and look at the uh, the, the captain's log. log, that's all you're going to see. <laughs> <laughs> it is all very controlled, very measured. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hey, I'm 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 happy to be back with you guys this week. And no, so it's uh, not you, so easy when I derail, derail the podcast. See, you got to oh, give Justin some respect. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, and, and for for the record, you two are my best friends. So yeah. um, I, I I do adore doing shows with you guys, and and even seeing you in person, which uh, which is always a nice treat. Even though you guys are probably sick of each other because you work together, but uh, but for me, it's still a treat when I get to see you guys. So it's, it's the highlight it, of it's my still, day still holds that special place in my heart we swap um, pillows so, so we can smell each other when we go to sleep because we only have to go in the office like two days a week so that's just too many days apart uh well i i get that i get that you know you got to keep each other's like the scent of each other's pheromones fresh yeah, gotta feed the um, monkey. it's it's the klingon way <laughs> speaking of the klingon way uh we, we get to discuss a lot about that in this week's episode but before we get into that before we jump into that i do want to refresh everybody's memory as to uh where we are standing right now um what we're going to be diving into this week is episode number 19 and of the previous 18 episodes we have rated 10 of them as yays and eight of them as nays so for a while for a long while um we were heavy on the nays and we're like, holy shit, this series is not as good as we remembered it. But uh, it's really kind of turning around. And we've had, I think, what, three in a row? As I, as I pull up our, our document that uh, 
holy crap, five in a row um, that Justin's been keeping up for us. Thank you so much for putting that together, by the way. Um, so it has been a dramatic turnaround. And and now that I really feel like the scales are tipping. And and I don't want to give a, away anything as to how we're going to be like rating this week's episode, but I think we're all fans of Klingons, and this was a very Klingon-heavy episode. So it might just trend towards another yay, but we'll get there. We'll get there in a moment. So let's talk about the name of the episode and when it originally aired. So uh, this one is called Heart of Glory, and it originally aired on the 19th of March in 1988. And the blurb, according to imdb.com, is... The Enterprise searches for answers as to why three Klingon warriors were the only survivors aboard a freighter just inside the neutral zone, which was seemingly attacked by a Ferengi ship. Uh, it's been given 7.3 stars, which is one of the higher ratings of this season. And um, it has a familiar name as director, uh, Rob Bowman, uh, who has directed five other episodes this season so far. And uh, the writer is Maurice Hurley, who's also written two other episodes this season, one of which being Data Lore, one that we, we unanimously loved pretty much. So, um, so that's a kind of a winning combination there, right? So everything about so. this episode should be great. Yeah. Um, one fun fact about this episode uh, Vaughn Armstrong, who played Commander Chorus, he has had a career of being in different Star Trek shows, uh, including the Star Trek experience, the Klingon encounter. How cool is that? Oh, that's you know, I, I genuinely thought he looked familiar. <laughs> And and yeah. maybe that's why, because uh, I spent a lot of drunken experiences, uh, a drunken times on that uh, that that experience there. One hundred percent. So yeah, uh, Star Trek: Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. Uh, he's done it all. So what I really liked about this episode, and, and I know we're not getting like into story yet, but the Klingons in this episode, they have like the movie Klingons vibe to them, not like what we would see in the series later on or in uh, like Deep Space Nine or other series where we get into Klingon culture and stuff like that. Like, like everything from the way that they act to the way that they look, everything just has like, these are the Klingons from the movies, from the original cast movies. And um, like their outlook on things and just the look of them and the, the way they're acting and everything. And something about that is really kind of, I love it. You know, I love that we get those old school Klingons as our kind of reintroduction to them here in next generation. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love all things Klingon and although I love like the, <laughs> you know, the green, you know, Klingon battle cruiser that we would see in like the later original series episodes and, that will make a return in next generation. I'm also a sucker for like the sombrero Klingon battle cruisers, like that we saw like in the early uh, original series episodes and the, the ship that was trailing the enterprise at the end um, was one of those to where like, it, it looks like the battle cruiser, but it's got the round front and then it's like a, like a, uh, like a flat disc that intercepts it and always reminds me of like someone wearing a sombrero. So I don't know yeah. if the only one has ever called it a sombrero, but it, it looks like a sombrero to me. And uh, I just love Klingon everything. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever heard it called a sombrero before either, but it's, it's definitely like the, the, the front portion of that ship is definitely a, a head wearing a hat. <laughs> um, but well, funny, actually, actually, yeah. Funny, funny story. I'm, I'm on, you know, uh, you know, the memory alpha, the wiki for star Trek. 
And mm -hmm. the stock footage from the Star Trek The Motion Picture was evidently used to depict the Klingon battlecruiser in this installment. Yeah, so it makes sense of why it's right. the old why it's the old Klingon ship and not the new one. That's perfect. <laughs> and that's the, those are the Klingons that I like. Uh, no, that's <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, I, I really got a kick out of that. So, okay, so just kind of diving into the story of the episode, like the very first thing that we see um, is basically they're, they're getting word of uh, there's a battle out in space and they want to go check it out. And immediately Riker's like, should we detach the saucer section? Like the very first thing that comes out of his, wife, his mouth, the first thought in his head, is like before they even get close enough to know what's going on, just like a scent, the scent of battle is out there and they're already talking about detaching the saucer section. And I feel like that is a, a huge overreaction, number one. But that's something that you don't really see much in the later series. That was like in case of extreme emergency, you detach the saucer section. You don't just jump to it you know, at, at, on a whim. And, and I understand because even the Klingons reference it later on that, hey, you know, when you detach the saucer section, this becomes quite a battle-ready ship and it's a great ship for battle, that kind of thing. But that's I, I feel like that's really only something that they seem to touch on in this first season. I don't really remember it persisting later, but I guess we'll find out as we go because, again, our memories of this kind of stuff, especially since it's been 30 years since I originally watched it, uh, is a little bit fuzzy. Now, Justin, I, I believe you had a, a something you wanted to say. Yeah, well, we were talking about Klingons and, and the, this version that you like, and Worf just looks... Like a different kind of Klingon. <laughs> yeah, like I was literally like I'm like his fan, like Wiki fandom, and I'm like, why does he look different? And I'm not sure if it's just like clothes maketh man kind of thing, or if he actually like prosthetically just looks like a different Klingon. I'm, I'm, my memory is so fuzzy with <laughs> how Klingons are supposed to, in quotes, look. That it's right. playing tricks on my brain. I think what it is, it's the cranial ridges. So, and, and one of the reasons why I, I kind of uh, said that these ones look very movie-like is because they're they're not really super extreme. They're not like a fucking mountain range or topographical map, you know, mm -hmm. on, on the forehead like they are for Worf. Worf is very detailed and they're very deep and, and um, he's got a very, in this first season anyway, a, a very specific like short kind of bobbed haircut. Um, the traditional like movie style Klingon, they had less ornate kind of uh, head ridges and um, and longer hair and just the fucked up teeth and everything and just the traditional outfit. It, it just that that to me is why I feel like it was a little bit more uh, traditional looking because I feel like because I've been watching Deep Space Nine concurrently uh, as we're rewatching uh, Next Generation and I see that that Klingons in that show they have more detailed cranial ridges more detailed like prosthetics um their outfits are way more updated and more detailed and that kind of thing so mm -hmm. it's like the the quality of it improved as the show went on and because Worf is there every week you know they've got to have high quality prosthetics on him but these are like one and done guest star kind of roles or hell maybe they're even leftover prosthetics from the movies because i know star trek 6 happened you know it, it was a couple years later because um or it was around the beginning of of when uh next generation happened but star trek 5 i think was happening around then too like all this stuff that was happening where they could have had leftover klingon prosthetics yeah right. right around the time of of shooting star trek 6 so perfect yeah it would make total sense that they would have that kind of movie klingon makeup and stuff like that um yeah my, I, I i i really like the klingon of it all uh it was a bit slow at the beginning it took a little while to get going uh you know mm -hmm. we had the whole thing where we're, we're we're looking at um you know, Jordy's like visor, and I'm like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> I know like, Picard's yeah. mesmerized. He's like, whoa, that's so fucking cool. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's great, Picard. Uh, yeah, let's let's move on. Yeah, so it felt like it felt like 
a long time before we got to the Klingon of it all. And then once yeah. the once the Klingons got there, I was like, oh, that's really cool and stuff like that. But yeah, it took a took a couple minutes. Yeah, I, I do kind of like the idea of finally seeing what the, like the point of view of what Jordy sees and learning that you know, just like if you're listening to a voice in a crowded room, you can kind of pick it out. It's like if you're looking for something specific in the weird spectral analysis of what it is that he sees, then you can actually see shapes and see faces and stuff like that. Um, I, I think that's a really neat insight into how he sees it, but I feel like it's really weird for, for everybody on the bridge crew to be so excited about seeing this live feed from, I forget like the link that they call it, um, but this, they're getting like a live feed from his visor. So they yeah, can like see a neural receptor or something. Some kind yeah. Of, uh, I'm like, bullshit. Okay, I, I mean, how many colors? Right, and, and and how many hundreds of years in the future are we? Why are there not like little drones that can fly around and do the same <laughs> thing, or like a little camera mounted there that'll see fucking color? You know, like like you know, I, I just feel like that is that is such a dated sci-fi effect that they right, did for that. and it's not even useful of of all of the vantage points they could have gotten from their away team. Yeah. While they're trying to investigate this, I, I would think the least useful would have been the one that came from the Forge. I mean, Data is a goddamn android. He can switch between like thermal and I'm sure regular vision. I'm sure he can do a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, you know, can he record internally? Can he record conversations or video with his eyes? Uh, is that a thing? I, I don't know about video, but I know I know he records audio because sometimes he'll like he'll play it back in their voice. He does that a couple times in the show, but I would assume yeah. that he also records it. I mean, yeah, I mean, or if even if you didn't, how hard would that be to install an upgrade, you know, like the GoPro firmware, <laughs> yeah, firmware version like 1.4, give him an upgrade and add a fucking camera in his eyeball, you know, um, but yeah, but, and that's the thing too. Yeah. You, David, you were saying it's like the most useless view that we're getting. Yeah. Because they're all like blobs, amorphous blobs, like. Jordy's looking around and we see like wreckage and this, this uh, wrecked out ship that they're over exploring. And then he looks and there's this blob and, and everybody on the bridge is, Oh my God, what is that blob? And, and Jordy just laughs. Well, that's commander Riker. Ha ha ha. They'll have, all have a good laugh at it, but that's ridiculous. If you can't even tell like a human shape out of all this information that, that he's, got, he's got the same vision as Han Solo after he's unfrozen from carbonite. <laughs> yeah. right. I thought you were blind. It's okay. <laughs> it's a lot better. <laughs> and, and yeah, apparently, apparently, uh, uh, Data has a, a glow, like an aura around him. And uh, I, I thought it was kind of cute. The Jordy's line was, "Oh, I, you know, like don't all androids have a glow?" <laughs> On the bridge, like, no, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Like maybe yeah. we gotta take the controls away from Jordy. We got a yeah. blind man driving this shit. It's like, guys, we need to rethink this whole thing. <laughs> it's like I know we wanted now. to, be, yeah, I, I know we wanted to be diverse and offer uh, opportunities to uh, those with disabilities. But holy shit, this guy's in charge. Gonna be in charge yeah. of engineering. Yeah, eventually he's <laughs> in charge of this ship. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like, maybe I like, circuits look different to him. Yeah, maybe. I really yeah. like the through line that not all Klingons are happy with peace. You know, I think that's, that's probably like the thing that I was most interested in and that these Klingons were not happy. Cause even when we saw the Klingon the captain of the battle cruiser behind him, the flag is of, you know, Klingon and the Federation, you know, showing that they're part of this coalition and stuff like that. Um, and I really, really like the idea that 
there's this faction that are like, fuck no, man, fuck the Federation. We're the Klingons. Right. And even later on, like, because he's he's demanding that these three Klingon survivors, uh, which becomes two Klingon survivors because one of them kind of dies on the operating table. But um, he demands that they're that they're handed over. And uh, they these two Klingon survivors, they've been talking to Worf and they've been kind of trying to, like, wake up his internal Klingon instincts. You know, they're like first they're goading him by saying, ah, you're soft and, you know, you were raised by humans, uh, you know, but I bet. I bet there's some sort of Klingon inside of you still. And they're trying to kind of wake that up because they're trying to win him over to their side because they're, they're kind of embracing the traditional Klingon ideals of being like a warring nation and going out and seeking conquest and glory. And if you die, at least die gloriously in battle, that kind of thing, um, which they feel the, the Klingon, the Klingon empire has, kind of backed away from since partnering up with the Federation. Um, and you can tell that, that Worf is kind of like buying into it a little bit. Like he, he wants to kind of feel like he belongs cause he's never truly felt like he has among humans and among the Federation Starfleet specifically. Um, so, but, but the reason I bring that up is because when they are interacting with the captain of that Klingon ship later on, um, he, and he, he's talking to Worf. Uh, he's like, look, I understand. Like, I'm, I'm with you on this, you know. <clears throat> but, you know, we were in this with the Federation. We have to abide by these laws. You're going to have to send me over those guys. Even though he kind of agrees that he feels that pull, the traditional Klingon pull as well. So even, even the captain didn't really agree with, with uh, necessarily the state of the Klingon Empire. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and um, and after we're done, I found a fun, a fun little continuity here. Uh, while in the engine room, Cora says, "I would rather die here than let the traitors of Kling, K L I N G, pick the meat from the bones." Uh, the authors of the Star Trek Encyclopedia note: At the time of the episode, this episode was written. Kling was intended to be the name of the Klingon homeworld. Once the episode was filmed, it was realized that the name sounded pretty silly. So later scripts uh, simply referred to the home world. And we, and we now assume that Kling is a city or a district. The planet was renamed Quonos in Star Trek VI, the undiscovered country. So kind of funny that uh, this made it to, to air and that they were going to name the Klingon homeworld Kling. That's interesting. <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the paper. Yeah, the, the the interesting thing about that too, though, is since you were saying that they were probably shooting uh, Star Trek VI simultaneously, or or right, or, this is right around that time, they probably realized when this aired how ridiculous that sounded, and they're like, "Oh shit, we got to come up with a cool name," and then they threw it in the movie to make it canon. Yeah, I I was really torn with these Klingons because uh, there was that scene where the the mom and the daughter uh, come out of the turbo lift. And he picks up the little girl, like it becomes a hostage situation. Uh, you know, they they just it's one of those things where, like, I was like, man, what what is he gonna do? Is he gonna bite the head off this little girl or what? He's just like, oh yeah, it's all good. He just set her down. And so I really feel like uh, they could have played with our emotions a little bit more. Like they're not from what we saw for most of this episode, they weren't bad. They were just kind of talking to talk, like 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 a biker gang kind of thing, you know, right, like at a right. bar. Um, and so it wasn't until they started actually hurting 
Federation officers that you know your your opinion quickly changed. Like the oh yeah, these are these are Klingons, all right, you know. But it would have been really interesting if 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 maybe they had done something horrible, but we hadn't seen that side of them. You know, we'd only ever seen you know these guys that have become friends with Worf to where he would. I mean, you can see that he was torn, but at the same time, you know, he's pretty dedicated to the Federation. But of course, he didn't want to see his you know quote unquote brothers be be just mercilessly killed instead of going off to, to a world where they could fight for their lives, eventually die, but have a glorious death, you know? But mm. I did find it kind of weird. Like I wanted to really be sympathetic for these Klingons, but then they just become the regular Klingons that I know where they just kill Federation guys. And then it's like, okay, we'll just hit them with your blaster now and problem solved. I thought that was kind right. of, kind of lame. Yeah. When, when they build their, their uh, Klingon disruptor out of uh, like, audio uh, parts yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's funny because they're pulling parts out of their belt and stuff like that i'm like that that's a that's an xlr extender or that's like a you know a little xlr sex changer or whatever they use for audio cables and stuff like that i'm like i'm naming all the little parts that they use to put this shit together um and i thought it was weird when their comrade died at the beginning and the one guy just grabs a spike off of his boot i'm like "Well, well that's an interesting like uh like souvenir to take from a dead body. <laughs> but then I realized that, okay, well they need that later because they're building a bootleg pistol with it to break out of jail. Um, yeah. So that scene that you're describing with the, the mother and the daughter uh, coming out while they're trying to make their escape. Um, to me, the way I interpreted that is it, it wasn't so much about the Klingon intention. It was very much the bias of Starfleet officers looking at them, like assuming that they're going to make a, make it a hostage situation. Cause, cause Yar calls it in like the moment that the Klingon even looks at the child. I think before he even picks her up, she calls it in as like, Oh, we're going to have a hostage situation here. And uh, I mean, that just not, not to make it political or anything, but that's, almost like the police shooting first and asking questions later. Right, and that's exactly what it is. And that's what I liked about it. I liked that we were wrong in thinking that they were, they were bad right, guys. Right. Um, and that's, that's what I really liked. But then all of a sudden they are bad guys. I'm like, yeah. well, that was just kind of wasted then because you know, it would have been different if, if they were, if they were being executed for reasons that they didn't even do. And it just being just the cruel, harsh mistress of justice of Klingon justice as it were. And, and, you know, it would have been a different take, I think, but instead Uh, they chose to make them just be regular Klingons that kill fucking Federation guys. But, but uh, so here's the thing that I I think, I I don't know if it's going to change your mind on it at all, but, but it might kind of explain why they kind of make that that change or why they don't evolve in a way that we would like to see them kind of uh, evolve as characters. But um, I, I think when they're uh, when they're put into the holding cell and when they realize that they're going to be given up to this to the Klingon captain of this other ship, the the punishment is going to be execution. And at this point, they're looking at it like, hey, we're just trying to be Klingons. We're just trying to be ourselves. We're right. trying to not defy nature and be these people that we are supposed to be, that we are born to be, and we're going to die for that, you know? And they're kind of backed to, up against the wall to where, like, if, if you were going to be exterminated just for being who you are supposed to be, you're going to fight back, right? So mm-hmm. so I think when they're in that uh, that cell and they have a chance to escape and they shoot a couple of, of uh, Starfleet security guys uh, to get away, 
uh, I don't want to say it's justified, but in their minds for what they're thinking about, what they're going through, I, I could see that from their point of view. Sure. I mean, we all have this instinct to survive, right? Going to do what you yeah. got to do to survive. I mean, that makes and, sense. And, and, and they don't see themselves as a bad as as the bad guys. They just want to be Klingons. Right. They just want to be the Klingons that that you know that history has right. has, has said that they're supposed to be. Blood and gore and guts in their teeth. Exactly. Yeah. Big turns beating each other with pain stings. And, <laughs> and and staring into somebody's eyes as the life flickers from it and then howling to the fucking moon. Yeah. Right. But that, I mean that's fine for them, but the perception that the that the crew of the Enterprise is gonna have is that these right. are just fucking Klingons. Right. You know? I mean Worf will get it and he can try to explain it, but I think at the end of the day, Tasha's always gonna be Tasha and her a couple yeah. of her guys were killed. So she's yeah. going to hold the grudge, you yeah, know, totally. Yeah. And, and she's going to look at them and immediately think hostage situation. And that's right. the kind of stuff that builds that bias. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And, and I, I like that. It's kind of creating this discourse. It's giving us something to talk about. Um, that's kind of relevant today now. Yeah, um, 100%. And it's just a lot of fun in, a, in, you know, like not the dark subject matter is fun, but it's just like seeing these Klingons be Klingons is is something I enjoy out of Star Trek. Sure, but I mean, I think I think it's safe to say that art reflects the times, and it's pretty crazy when you see that this is late '80s. I mean, it's been going on forever, but I mean, yeah. it's it's still the messaging is still there, and it's still relevant even 30 years later, and it's nothing's changed, which is pretty yeah. pretty remarkable. Yeah. Uh, and I like the, I like the wharf. Uh, went to the catwalk and was like trying to talk him down and this and then. And he's like, "Never mind." Pew! Like, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. There, there's there, there's some kind of funny dialogue in this episode. Um, uh, the you know um, uh, when Picard's talking to Riker and Riker's going down. Uh, he's like, number one. Everything about this seems wrong. He's like, "Agreed." It smells like a trap. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Picard to Riker again. He's like. Uh, He's like, what is it? What do you see? He's like, Klingons. <laughs> There's just somebody like, oh man, Riker's the best. Yeah. Every uh, every yeah. episode makes me love Riker more. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I just I just like everything about the Klingons. I, I think that in the pantheon of like sci-fi villains, I think that the Klingons are are such good villains, and I think Next Generation does a really great job of subverting that by having this era of peace, you know, with Worf, and as we saw in like Star Trek. Uh, it, it's it's the theme that's more explored, you know, thoroughly in Star Trek Six because the entire plot is, yes, the Klingons need help, uh, the Klingons need to join the Federation, but there's a lot of Klingons who don't want that, and there's even people who aren't Klingons that don't want it. So I think it's just fascinating that there's this race of this this these beings who are going to cease to exist if they don't cooperate um, and take the helping hand from the Federation. But there are some that are like, I'd rather die on my knees than you know worship at the feet of these you know, infidels and stuff like that. Yeah, like Fast. Chang. Like Chang. Yeah. Have <laughs> I the dogs of hell? Dogs of war. Yeah, and one of the most interesting thing about this episode, I think, is um, because I think this is the first time that we've seen Klingons in the next generation. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I mean, but, except Worf every single episode. Uh, well, I mean, yes. But I, I, I mean, like, <laughs> Yes, I, I met members of the Klingon Empire. Um, and this is a really great way, because this did come out before Star Trek VI, um, this is a really great way to address how Klingons feel about uh, 
you know, largely how they feel about being at peace or uh, being in league with the Federation, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, in a way, it's character building just for the Klingons themselves, just to, to see what it is that they're going through and that not all of them agree. And this is our first glimpse into that. Um, and I think it's going to to build a lot to come in the future. So for that reason, I appreciate it. Yeah. And we got to go into the the neutral zone. Yeah. Which, yeah. which is funny because it's like no one's allowed to go there, but it's called the neutral zone. So it's yeah. like, shouldn't we all be allowed to go there? Yeah, I don't get yeah. It. I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody should be there. And that, that's... Like, this is where you know. have your riverboat gambling ships. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> International waters. Exactly. That's what I interpret that as. But every yeah. time they say it, it's like, what are you doing in the neutral zone? Like, this is this is our Marsha Brady line. You do not cross it. It's kind of yeah. funny how that works. I don't get exactly how that's supposed to work either. But I... Um... I'm not a I'm not a military type that draws up maps in wartime that kind of thing so I don't know what it's meant to to represent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's meant to be that like buffer like uh, like uh, you have your territory and I have our territory and it's meant to whenever there's like a border there's always like disputes and this and that and there's always trouble at the border so it's meant to be like this safe like kind of buffer area to where if shit happens and you need to go into the neutral zone. You're, if something happens on your border where something goes outside of it, now you're not on our land. You're on our land. Uh, so it's just to try to help keep the peace. This land is your land. <laughs> I'll, put it in, I'll put it in World War I terms. It's no man's land. <laughs> yeah. And I'll put it in DC terms. That is where we see uh, Wonder Woman being a badass with her shield in the first Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. Um, Georgia yeah, Jungle that, Drums. That, yeah. <laughs> I just I just devolved uh, this whole conversation, but that's that's okay though. Um, so that is what the neutral zone is. No, that's fantastic. Um, so guys, uh, do you feel ready and 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 qualified to to render a judgment on this episode? Heck yeah, fuck yeah, yes. dude. All right. Well, I've been very positive through this entire episode, so I think everybody uh, knows that I'm going to give it a yay. But I'll make it official right now. I'm gonna use my rubber stamp and just stamp it a yay. Right. Yeah, I think anything that, that that expands the uh, the Klingon mythos for me is always always going to be welcome. I I love the Klingons as villains, not just in Star Trek, but in science fiction as a whole. I love that you know, they've kind of gone from villains to hero, uh, villains to kind of like on our side as the heroes, to kind of like this gray thing back to villains, and then you know really kind of back into the fold as like the hero class. Uh, so yeah, for me it's 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 an easy A. Uh, it took a while to get going, uh, but you know once it got going, you know I was thoroughly engaged and, and enthralled in everything that was there. Perfect, cool. Just, Justin. What say you? Yeah, I'm a yay. I, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I like you guys. I like Klingons. Uh, I think they're really fun. I, I'm very excited to see a Klingon ship again. <laughs> Whenever that happens, I'm going to be. An eager little beaver, but uh, they're cool, man. And uh, I just, I like how they just are just so crazy town banana pants and you, they're so unpredictable. I mean, in a way, like you feel like you can predict that they're going to just start a fight or something, but they don't always. And so the tension is always there and it builds up and, and I'm here for it. So, um, yep, I'm a yay. Excellent. Well, that is unanimous. And uh, holy crap, that's our sixth yay in a row. That means we are at 11 yays and eight nays. We are widening that gap, gentlemen. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> so next week we have an episode called the arsenal of freedom and it's rated 7.2 stars. So it's only one 10th of a star lower than this one. So by all means, that means that should be a pretty good episode. It says the enterprise encounters a planet long dead, but technical equipment still functions for the purpose of selling off its arsenal along with self-sufficiency whatever that means. And um, the, the thumbnail I see of it has a very familiar character actor in it. Um, and I'm, I recognize him from fast times at Ridgemont high and I'm trying to Mr. Vargas. Oh um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Vincent Scavelli is there something? Vincent like that? Scavelli. Yeah. Vincent Scavelli. Mm -hmm. And uh, very, very recognizable character actor. And I'm looking at his filmography here and it's got a ton of shit on it. Um, oh man. Yeah, he's a character, as you yeah. say. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I always like fun guest stars, and I know we get a bunch of them in Next Generation as uh, as the series goes on. So, um, yeah, that's a that's another one that we we get to look forward to next week. So, do you want to hear a crazy stat on the episode we just watched? Oh, please. The uh, the, the final draft of the script was turned in January 13th, 1988, and the the episode aired March 21st, 1988. <laughs> So it ended oh, wow. uh, two months and eight days after the final script was turned in. Wow. Well, you know, when it comes down to it, they probably saved a bunch of money on visual effects by just literally grabbing a shot from the movie from the from what was it, the motion picture? Yeah. And, and, all the and, Klingon shots, ship shots, and, we can use that. And looking at the dates, I th I bet this was a uh, like a screen test for the Klingons in Star Trek V. Star Trek V filmed uh, wrapped pencil photography in uh, uh, December of 1988 but it actually began potential photography in january of 1988 and that's when this was filming as well so they were in theory filming these side by side perfect so maybe I that means it. we'll get more klingons in the next couple episodes oh we should be so lucky don't worry i know they're coming eventually yeah christopher right, Plummer, he's a great klingon he sure is well, why <laughs> Thanks for taking this journey with us on this tiny little escape pod. We're going to uh, pull it into the next available space brothel and get some more space batteries so that we can keep bringing you more episodes. And uh, until then, we'll see you next time. <laughs>